But today, today we're going to start a new series, and uh, simply called I Am. This is going to be a seven-week series that in the last part of this series will be Easter Sunday. So we're seven weeks out from Easter, and we're going to be going through the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. He actually made nine, and I'll talk about the other two, but specifically he made these seven very, very popular I am statements. The last Sunday of this series will be Easter Sunday, and that Sunday will be when Jesus' I am statement where he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that Sunday, we actually will not call I am, but he is. He is the resurrection and the life. So stick around for the series. I'm really excited about it. But so let's kick it off today. Um, uh, oh, let me tell you about somebody that I met recently. I met someone... His name is Steve Johns. Steve Johns is a very interesting guy. Um, he, he's kind of about my age. Uh, he's, he's married. His wife's name is Mandy. And he and his wife have three kids. They live in Flint, Michigan. And together as a family, uh, they go to church. They go to Emmanuel Church in Flint, Michigan, where they are involved and uh, take their family there. Uh, Steve Johns, Steve and Mandy Johns, they, they love to travel, and they have been to a lot of very, like, uh, beautiful places together as a family, and uh, ma- they, make a, they really take uh, a lot of intentionality in making memories together as a family. Um, Steve and, and Mandy, they understand family. They understand why it's important to make memories with your kids. Because a few years ago, they didn't know that one of their three children would be diagnosed with leukemia. Steve and Mandy were heartbroken, thinking that they could possibly lose one of their three precious children. But they were surrounded by their faith community and many family and friends. And today, their child that battled leukemia is cancer-free. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And I, I find their story to be, uh, you know, so inspiring to me. But I have an odd confession to make at the same time. I don't know Steve Johns. I don't know him. I actually, last week, in preparation for this message, I just thought of a very random name. A very generic name. Steve Johns. And so I went to Facebook, and I searched Steve Johns. And I found the first Steve Johns that I did not have mutual friends with. And I was surprised to see that I had mutual friends with a few. So I found a Steve Johns that I had no mutual friends with, and everything I just told you was true of Steve Johns. It's true. And you probably thought I knew him. You see, there's a difference. I know about Steve Johns. I don't know Steve Johns. If Steve Johns walked in this room, I would even recognize him. And I know enough that I can even have conversation with Steve and Mandy. But I don't know him. And the same, and the same thing 
is with many people and their relationship with Jesus. They know about Jesus. They even know enough to have a conversation with him. But they don't really know him. The only way for Steve and I to really, really know each other is if Steve and I were to maybe sit across the table from one another and maybe share a meal. Maybe we'd go to Texas Roadhouse and we get some of those dinner rolls. <laughs> Bread has a way of just bringing people to the table. Bread just has a way of just fostering conversation. But it, the only way for me to know Steve is if I were to sit across the table from him and we would maybe share a meal and break bread and then share intimate details of our life that I could only know by knowing Steve. And Steve would begin to tell me not just that his kid battled cancer, but what it felt like when he did. Then and only then would I actually know who Steve is when he says, this is who I am. You can know who Jesus is if you can sit and just listen to what he says in his word. And if you listen close enough, and when you read the Gospel of John, Jesus will tell you exactly who he is, and he will tell you, I am. He'll tell you who he is by telling you who he is when he says, I am. Uh, the I am is a, is a powerful, powerful statement. And actually, um, if we go all the way back to the book of Exodus, chapter 3, we see that Moses has, he is, if you remember, he is seeing God in the burning bush. And this is what it says. It says, Moses said to God, okay, let's, let's back up, let's give you a little context. God in the burning bush told Moses, that he needed to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And, and so Moses, essentially, he responds as he says, he says, okay, God, uh, let's just suppose that I go, and I go to the Israelites, and let's, say, let's even say that I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And, and then they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say then? Now Moses should have known the answer to this because God's name to them then was El Shaddai. But he says, but what shall I say to them? And then this is what happens. God says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. Look at this. I am has sent you. He says, I am that I am. The I am has sent you. Now, this statement of I am in the original Hebrew is a four-letter word. Phonetically, the four letters of the I am name do not make sense. It'd be like if I just said my name is blah, 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 blah. Phonetically, they didn't make sense. And, um, and so, um, so scholars have a really big word for this very small name. And this is called the tetragrammaton. So if you really want to impress your family at lunch today, just say, just say that you know, you know uh, that God has a four-letter name, uh, but it's called, the, it's called the tetragrammaton. And they might think you're talking about transformers or something like that. 
um, but it's just a really fancy word that means the four-letter name of God. And God's response in Hebrew was four letters, yud Hey vav Hey. yud Hey vav Hey. Again, phonetically, it doesn't even make sense. Now, from the Tetragrammaton, this yud Hey vav Hey is where we get the word Jehovah, and it's also where we get the name Yahweh. But, but in essence, the Hebrew people had such sacredness for the name of God that they made it a law that you could not write this name. And many times when you see in Hebrew writing this name, they will put a little star or a little asterisk as one of the letters to not blasphemy the name of the Lord by writing it. You also were not allowed to try to pronounce this name because, again, phonetically it didn't make sense. But they had such... They, they, they held it so sacred that you were not allowed to try to pronounce this name, otherwise you would blaspheme, blasphemy the name of God. This was a big deal, the I am, yud Hey vav Many uh, early rabbis believe that the sound of these four letters actually sounds like breathing. yud Hey vav Hey. Think about it. yud Hey. So, God, what's your name? He says, I'm in the air you breathe. I'm in the air you breathe. The Tetragrammaton. You can use that if you like um, to impress somebody. Well, watch what it says in, um, in Leviticus 24, 16. This is what it says. Anyone who blasphemies the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them. That's how they felt about God's name. You don't blaspheme the name of God. Now, the Hebrews, and so not to get too into historical matters, but they, they have other writings. They have the Talmud, which is like the, the Jewish commentary of the Torah, the Torah being the first five books of the Bible. And then they have these writings called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is the oral law that was passed down from generation to generation that one day they finally figured out, hey, Instead of trying to memorize all this orally, we should write it down. And the Mishnah then helps give application to, to, for like life application of the Torah. Now in the Mishnah, which they all would have studied, this is what it says. It says the blasphemer is not guilty until what? Until he pronounces the name. Is what it says in Mishnah Sanhedrin 7.5. Now I say all this to just set Jesus up for this really awesome moment. And it's one of the other I am statements in scripture. In the Gospel of John, there's nine. We're gonna preach on seven. The other two, the first one is when he encounters the woman at the well, if you remember her, and he tells her all about her life. You know, uh, you've been with five guys, the man you're with now is not your husband. And, and, and then she makes a statement of like, well, we are just waiting for the Messiah when he comes so we can worship him. And Jesus says, I am. I'm standing right here in front of you. I am the one you're looking for. The, then the, the second I am statement in Scripture happens in John chapter 8. And uh, because, well, there was this one time where the people accused Jesus of being demon possessed. And he's like, Really? Can you imagine accusing the Son of God of being demon possessed? 
And, and then uh, Jesus replied, well, your father Abraham, remember, they, they, the, the father of the law, the father of the Israeli people, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced at, at the thought of seeing my day. And they said, dude, you're not even 50 years old, and you know Abraham? Watch what Jesus says, and then watch their reaction. Okay, really, watch this. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipped away from the temple grounds. I have this whole theory that Jesus is a ninja. (laughs) I have a whole list of scriptures where like, they tried to kill him, and he slipped away. A whole crowd attacked him, but he was gone. And then here they went to pick up stones to stone him, and he just, you know, ninjaed himself right out of that situation. But you notice what he said, don't you? Before Abraham was, I am. You're not supposed to say that. So they accused Jesus ultimately of blasphemy against the name, the name of God. What, and ultimately what Jesus was doing, one, how powerful this statement I am is, but second of all, Jesus was making a claim that was considered blasphemous. He said, I am God. That's what he was saying. I am God. A claim that gets you killed, but a claim that he would back up because they would kill him and he would rise again because he also is the resurrection and the life. I am. Now, if you, if you have your Bible, so you can turn to John chapter six, that's where we're gonna hang out today. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab the orange Bible in the seat in front of you. You can turn to John chapter six, and if you don't own a Bible, I want you to take that orange Bible from your seat. I want you to write your name in it. It is your Bible, a gift to you from New Life Church. We believe in the word of God. In John chapter six, Jesus was at the shore, and he uh, was teaching these people. Thousands of people were coming out Uh, listening to the teaching of Jesus. And then on this particular day, uh, people were getting hungry. At least that's what the disciples said. They said, Jesus, the the people are hungry. I think they were hungry, don't you? And all they had was five, uh, two fish, five loaves. Did I get that right, team one? Okay. They blamed, you thought I tricked you one time. Five loaves of bread, two fish. And then if you know the story, well, Jesus multiplies the bread, feeds the multitude, 5,000, not counting women and children, has 12 baskets left over from this small portion of food. There was a miracle of bread that day. And then afterward, the people were like, we are going to make this dude the king. And they were going to do it by force. Jesus knew this. So Jesus, in his ninja ways, slips away to the mountain. He disappears. And he's gone for so long that his disciples decide, well, it's time to go. His disciples get in the boat to go to the other side of the water. And then they're out on the water. A violent wind comes, and now they're panicked. The the waves and the water. And then they see Jesus walking on the water, 
And if you, if you read it, they instantly appear on the other side. I thought that was pretty cool. The next day, the people wake up. Well, they're on my quote. They hung out there all night long? They did. The crowds of people, they stayed all night long. The next day, it says, they noticed only one boat left and Jesus wasn't on it. But after a little bit of investigation, they realized the disciples and Jesus aren't here. So they too jumped in boats and they went to the other side to find Jesus. And in John chapter 6, verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? How many of you are like already wondering, what, what sign will he give you? You ate the bread yesterday. You, you saw. They said, well, wh- well, then what sign will you, will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do for me, Jesus? What will you do for me? Because if you remember, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's the first I am statement of Jesus in our series. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Bread is amazing. Can I just, I love bread. And I know I'm not supposed to have as much as I'm having right now. I love it. I love bread that has been proofed and fried Covered in glaze. (laughs) I love bread when it's warm and fresh out of the oven. You could put a cold knob of butter on there and it just. And then you drizzle some honey on that. Honey, butter, and bread. Lord Jesus. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Jenny and I, we have a new hobby this, this past year, and we love to make Neapolitan pizza. Neapolitan pizza is a three-day process. I make dough. It does its thing. After a couple hours, I divide it. I put it in proofing boxes. It goes in the refrigerator for three days. And then I pull that up dough out of the refrigerator a couple hours before service. We have a pizza oven, and we get that thing cranked up, preheated for 40 minutes till it's 750 degrees. She forms that dough, and we make our pizza. 
It goes in that hot oven on that stone, and it cooks in two minutes, and a perfect Neapolitan pizza comes out. Can you tell I love bread? Bread brings people to the table. Bread is mentioned 492 times in the Bible and in my daily language. <laughs> bread has, does actually have a variety of significance in Scripture. Here's a few of them. One, bread, bread has, uh, it signifies provision and survival. If you remember, the Israelites, when they wandered the desert for 40 years, God provided them fresh manna every morning. It was, it was God's provision and for their survival. Uh, bread also represents life and salvation. Well, we know now that Jesus is the bread of life. And when you think about communion that we'll celebrate next Sunday, that Jesus says, take this bread, it is my body which is for you, is broken for you, in the cup his blood. And also bread represents forgiveness. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. God's word is our daily bread. And bread also represents the presence of God. In the tabernacle, which is the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament, there were 12 loaves of bread called the showbread in the presence of God. I just feel like every time I'm with bread, I'm with Jesus anyway. So I love it. I love bread. I was trying to think of how can we like be baking fresh bread in our service today so people could just smell the aroma. The aroma of bread just draws people in. It brings people to the table. And that's the life of Jesus. He draws people to himself. And that's the power that you have as his followers, that, that people can be, whoa, 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 what's this sense I have about you? What's the presence of God on our lives? Bread. There's three breads that we read in this scripture today. Three breads mentioned in John 6. Bread in the wilderness, bread that multiplied, in the bread of life. The first one is the bread in the wilderness. They said, our ancestors had manna, so give us more of this bread from heaven. The people said, our ancestors had bread, give us this bread. But here, I think there's an important point here in this message for us, and that is that yesterday's provision is not always today's purpose. Yesterday's provision is not always today's purpose, because if, if it was for them then, God could have just given them manna, he could have given them manna, and they could have had their fill. But they would have not have had the bread of life. You don't need yesterday's provision. That was the point of the bread in the wilderness, is that the wilderness bread was only for a day. If you remember, they had to go gather manna every day. What they didn't eat rotted, and then every day they had to go get more. You see, God, uh, if you never see God do what he's done for you in the past, then will you still be faithful to him? I remember when God moved in this very specific way in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm from the 90s revival, y'all. Like, sing me some shout to the Lord. Great and mighty is he. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate. I could sing of his love forever. You remember, we, we did the happy song. We did Enemies Camp and the whole trilogy, right? We did, uh, uh, what, what was it? Uh, look what the Lord has done. Come on. We just get one of these going on. <laughs> we filled the altars at Sunday night. 
And so the pastor turned the lights off and said we had to go home. I was marked. My life is marked by revival. I've been tra- my life was set on a trajectory from it. And if I never see exactly what I saw then, now, will I still be faithful to him? Yesterday's provision isn't always today's purpose. There was a greater purpose behind those moments of our life. It wasn't to live for the moment. All those moments just point us to Jesus. And so it's always about faithfulness. If you never see God do what he's done in the past, will you still be faithful? Remember, Jesus said to the people, you're only here because you ate the bread and you want more? You're only here because you saw a miracle and now you're asking me, what other miracles can I do? Well, check this out. I am the bread. (coughs) I am the bread. All right, John 6, 48. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the bread in the wilderness and they died. (laughs) You want that bread? But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat, anyone may eat, and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. These are the words of Jesus. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. There's two words for the word life here. Life in, in like Greek, the Greek, which this is uh, translated to in, early on. In the Greek, um, there's more than one word for life. That every time in scripture we see that word, or one of those two words, in English we always say life. But for them, one of them was the word bios, and the second one was zoe. Bios, the kind of life, bios life, is your physical life. Uh, like, your, your, like your body, your flesh, your physical life. Zoe uh, is, is more specific to eternal life. And, and remember, Jesus just said, whoever eats this bread will live forever or eternally. Whoever eats this bread, me, will live for eternity. We'll have Zoe life. Your ancestors ate manna and they had bios life. But they still die because physically we, uh, you are born but all men will die. And so, so here's, here's the thing about the wilderness, the bread in the wilderness, is you cannot satisfy a zoe need with bios means. You cannot satisfy an eternal life need with material means. And I, I, whether people recognize it or not, people are searching for zoe life with bios means. They're looking to say, I need to fulfill this, I have a sense of unfulfillment in my life, and so I search for significance. I wanna be significant maybe in career, or I wanna be significant amongst friends. I wanna be significant to somebody that's important in my life, or I wanna build up a certain amount of wealth, and then that will be my sign of significance, or I just need to maybe get really physical fit so I can live longer. Uh, but, but you cannot fulfill a Zoe need with bios means. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And our response needs to be, Lord, always give us this bread. Always give us this bread. Jesus is the bread of life. 
So the bread in the wilderness, you can have it, but it's old. You will surely die. The second is the bread that multiplied. The bread that multiplied. This was the bread that they were talking that they had just had the day before. Jesus multiplied it. He took, he took these few loaves and he fed over 5,000 people with this. It was a miracle bread. It was the first wonder bread. You like that. The bread that multiplied. Wonder bread's always white bread too, isn't it? John 6, 30. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? (coughs) Like, do a party trick, Jesus. We just saw you do one yesterday. The people were interested in what, what else God could do. What else they could get from him? What else can you give me? So they asked him, what sign will you do? Our ancestors had bread from heaven. And some are in the habit of always looking for the next move of God to see what God could do for them again. What can you do? What can I see? What wonders can I get? What will you do again? And the people of Jesus that day didn't understand that they already had the greatest move of God standing right in front of them. They said, can we get another sign? Can you do another wonder? (coughs) He's standing right there. Jesus, God in flesh, right there. The greatest move of God ever, right there. And they say, well, if you do one more thing, I would like to have that, and then maybe you too. And, and, and you see, I'm afraid that for so many, we too forget that we have already the greatest move of God. We too already have the greatest move of God if you have Jesus. You already have the greatest miracle you could ever receive. His name is Jesus. Well, I know that, Devin, it's all about Jesus, but can I get another sign? Can I get, a, can I get another miracle? And Jesus says, well, you're only here because you had bread in the past, and you had your fill, and you come seeking a sign. Here's, here's the thing. It's possible to pursue miracles and miss the purpose of the miraculous. Miracles are a miracle, an incredible sign, a wonder. But we don't worship miracles, we worship the miracle maker. We don't chase wonders and mystical things. Jesus is the greatest wonder we could ever have. And we say, but can we have just a little bit more of that bread? He says, I am the bread. I am the bread. And here's what I believe. I think it will be faithful. It will be fruitful. I believe 
is in the last days we will see signs and wonders and miracles because of Jesus. But it is possible to pursue miracles and miss the purpose of the miraculous. Jesus said in John 6, 36, then he says, but as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. You've seen me. We've seen him. But what else can you do? Miracles point us to Jesus. Can we get more of that miracle bread? Jesus says, I am the bread. Can I get, can I get another one of those really long worship services? Jesus says, I'm the bread. And, though, and when you are faithful, it will be fruitful. If we're just faithful with the Jesus that we have right in front of us, we will see signs, wonders, and miracles. And here's what I want to tell us, New Life. Pursue Jesus with hunger and thirst and be ready for what will pour out of it. But if you just seek the bread, he says, but I'm the bread. You just, want the, you just want the stuff. You just want the fruit. I want faithfulness. I want to be more in love with faithfulness than fruitfulness. I want to be so in love with Jesus that I'll say, Jesus, you don't ever have to do miracle bread in my life. You have me. I will follow you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And if it's a miracle, if it's a wonder, it's a bonus for me because I'm committed to you no matter what. You rescued my life. You forgave my sin. I can't ask for any better miracle than that. I really can't. And my whole life is going to be leveraged to see to it that other people can see the signs and wonders and the, the miracle of salvation. And if we're faithful to that, it will become fruitful and it will multiply. We will see signs, wonders, and miracles because they always point to Jesus. They don't point to a man. They don't point to a church. Miracles point people to Jesus. And because of that, I want the miraculous so people can see Jesus in the miracle. That's what I want. So the bread in the wilderness, the bread that multiplied, and lastly, the bread of life. The bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. You see, the manna, the bread in the wilderness, it was a daily bread, a very short shelf life. And it was only for a season, 40 years. And it would serve as an illustration of another bread that would come from heaven. The I am, Jesus himself. The bread that was multiplied at that miracle the day before, it was a miracle that highlighted that Jesus was the Messiah. It was to just whet their appetite for the, what Scripture calls the true bread. And I hope that when you come into a powerful service and a time of worship like we've had today, that it just whets your appetite for the true bread. Oh man, if we just sing that song a little longer. Now it's just, this song is to glorify him and to whet your appetite for the true bread on a daily basis, the bread of life. Jesus then declared in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. 
whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the true bread from heaven. He is the bread of Zoe life, eternal life. Manna came down, was provision for hunger. Jesus came down for the purpose of salvation. Watch what he says in verse 37. All those, all the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, Jesus says, I will never drive away. And listen, someone needs to hear He's not a God that wants to drive you away. And you may think, but you don't know the things I've done. And that's true. I don't know the things you've done. He does. And he still chooses to never drive you away. He's the bread of life. Bread brings people to the table. And you may sense that, that drawing of the bread the fragrance, the aroma, and your mouth begins to water. And Jesus is that bread. He says, I will take you. And I, I, I'm not here to drive anybody away. And then in verse 39, he says, and this is the will of him who sent me. Jesus is saying, this is the will of the Father, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, should have Zoe life. You've been searching to fulfill a bios life with bios things, material things, uh, physical things, but now you can encounter the true bread that brings a Zoe life, eternal life. And even though you die, Bios, you live, Zoe. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. So question today is, are you hungry? Are you hungry? This bread of life, this Zoe bread, is the last bread you'll ever need. You won't need to keep saying, Jesus, can I have, can you do that thing again? Can I have that bread again? He says, well, that thing I did in you was to point you to me. I am the bread of life. People search the whole world to find their fulfillment. Many people have tried many, many, many things. Tried chasing career, status, influence, wealth. Chased every high of life. Searching for validation in every corner of their world. And yet, nothing will do. Well, let me tell you, when you get a taste of the bread of life, you will need no other thing. He satisfies our deepest needs and longings. Would you stand with me this morning? Are you hungry? Lord, When they asked you to always give them that bread, they thought it was bios bread. But we pray those same words to you, the bread of life. And our prayer is 
would you always give us this bread? Would you always give us this bread? And if you're here this morning and you've searched to find fulfillment and validation, but you've never received Jesus as your bread of life, Zoe life, and you want to secure up today your eternity with him, it's simple. He says, I will not turn you away. Anybody who comes, all you have to do is you have to come to him in faith and receive him into your life. He'll forgive your past. He'll forgive your sin. If you just go to him with, with the true heart of I want to be different, I want, uh, it's repentance, it's I will change. And if that's what you need today, if you're like, give me some of that bread, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just slip up a hand so I can see who I'm praying for? That you need the bread of life today to fill that inner desire. Thank you, Lord. So if that's you today, just pray with me. Some, just in the quietness of your own heart like this, Father, I need you. I, I thank you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on my behalf that I could walk free. And I have searched the corner of this world looking for everything to satisfy and nothing has, has, it's all left me wanting something more. And today, would you satisfy that need in me? Would you sit on the throne of my heart? Would you be my Lord and King? I want to serve you all the days of my life and help me to know the next steps I need to take and now turning away from patterns of destruction and following you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray to pray like that in your own way today, you are redeemed. That you have a brand new life today. But the question remains for all of us: is Are you hungry? The worship team is going to sing one last song, and I want you to envision with me today that we're in the dwelling place, the tabernacle of God. And in the tabernacle of God, there was the showbread, the presence of God. And I just invite you, as we sing. If you want, would you come find a place down front as we sing one last time, Are You Hungry? Let's worship.